Welcome back to the My Thoughts My Way podcast, podcast where I say what's on my mind, however the heck I feel like saying it. I am Rick, and I am thrilled to be back here in front of this microphone, sitting at my computer, this beautiful Washington evening. Man, I just, I can't believe, I want to start by a thought. Summer. Where the hell have the last two and a half months gone? It seems like all of a sudden yesterday... School was out, yay, start of summer, fun stuff, then blink, 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 and where the hell did summers go? Because my kids are back in school. Man, I don't I, I don't know what to think about that. It, it just flew by. Now, I've got, I've got a few more weeks left before I start my next classes. But <laughs> I've got lots to keep me occupied, lots to do. There is so, so much to do but that's okay because staying busy means I don't get bored and when I don't get bored I don't sleep in the middle of the day and stay up all damn night (laughs) all right so we got some fun stuff to talk about but man I was on the social media yesterday and a headline from Q13 Fox out of Seattle and the headline popped up playing gives the middle finger to Washington State flight map shows this is, and it actually looks like a really hilarious middle finger. Q13 goes on to say a pilot took to the skies on Monday and flipped the bird to Washington State. According to FlightAware, the Piper Navajo aircraft took off at 9.15 a.m. and landed at 4.09 p.m. Motives behind the particular direction of the middle finger is pointing are unknown, though it does appear to be motioning toward Whatcom County. Now, I'll tell you what. If they were to point that a little bit further toward the south and point it towards Olympia, man, that would be ideal. Because I know a lot of people that are not happy with the Washington State Legislature and our own Governor Jay Inslee. A lot of people not happy. Where to begin? Mandates? How about his failed presidential run when he was using Washington State Patrol and not paying them out of his campaign's pocket, but out of the state budget? Or how about... How about this new mandate that he's got? Governor Jay Inslee does not seem to have an original thought in his body, at least as far as I'm concerned. Okay, Throughout the entire COVID-19 pandemic, Jay Inslee has followed every step He's been in lockstep right behind Gavin Newsom of California. We're going to enforce mask mandates when California does. We're going to lift mask mandates when California does. We're going to implement vaccine mandates when California does. Oh, California hasn't lifted those vaccine mandates. We're not going to, even though we have a shortage of state workers. Well, here's the next one, and this is absolutely ridiculous. Governor Gavin Gavin Newsom and California has made it a rule that they are going to ban all new gas-powered vehicles by the year 2035. That's right, folks. If you want a big old diesel truck, you're not allowed to have one. If you want to go get that Ford F-150, that beautiful Jeep Wrangler you've been eyeing, that Camaro. You're not allowed to have them in California. You are not allowed to buy them. 
Executive order from Gavin Newsom. At its most basic, the regulations would ban the sale of internal combustion passenger vehicles and light trucks by 2035. Which means zero emission vehicles would be the only vehicles allowed for sale beyond that point. That's reported by CNET. Boy, and here I thought they had a lick of common sense in that state. Because here's the problem. And I've talked about this. Electric vehicles aren't as good as we think they are. Or as I should I shouldn't say we. Because I know a lot of people that absolutely think this is the worst and dumbest move they could have done. But they're not as good as a lot of people think they are. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of the electric vehicle. I think they're awesome. I've never driven in one, never ridden in one. But a vehicle that is so quiet that you literally don't hear anything. I mean, I know we heard the motorcycle earlier. Some people like loud cars. I got a neighbor. He's got a big old Dodge Charger. He fires that thing up at 5 o'clock every morning, wakes everybody in the neighborhood up because he can. That thing is loud. Just the other night, we had somebody, some idiot, some sort of car, loud engine, doing donuts in my cul-de-sac. Why? Because they could and they were inconsiderate of the people trying to sleep. This was like 10 o'clock at night. But electric vehicles, we're not ready for them yet. Okay. Let me see here. Starting with the 2026 model year, regulations will require that 30%, 35% of passenger vehicles and light-duty trucks be zero-emission versions. That will increase to about 51% by 2028, and then be full 100% by 2035. But, of course, not to be outdone, Governor Inslee comes out and says, The Washington State Legislature has passed a law that requires all new car sales to be zero emission by 2030. <laughs> On Wednesday of last week, so that would be the uh, 21st. Nope. Wrong month. That would be the 24th. Inslee tweeted California's breaking news and said Washington is ready to adopt the same regulations by the end of 2022. Look, Jay, Gavin, whoever else out there is thinks this is a great idea, dude, you guys need to get your heads on straight, and maybe you need to talk to somebody that knows what the hell they're talking about. Here's why. Breitbart reports on, let me see here, where's the date on this? August 31st. California will suffer an energy shortage and flex alerts through Labor Day due to high temperatures and residents will be asked to conserve electricity during afternoons and evenings, which means refraining from charging electric vehicles, among other uses. The electric grid, as it is right now, cannot support, cannot support what they want to do. Because here's what's going to happen. Okay, picture this. Beautiful suburban neighborhood. We'll call it, I don't know, we'll call it, we'll call it Ricksville. Beautiful Ricksville in Southern California. Everybody has their electric vehicles. It is now 2030. Everybody in the neighborhood is already upgraded. They have no gas-powered vehicles. Everybody gets home at 5.30 in the evening because they all got off at 5, and it takes a half hour to drive home. Hi, Steve. Hi, Sam. Hi, Betty. Everybody goes to plug in their electric vehicle at the same time. Guess what happens? Take a wild guess. 
<laughs> the power grid collapses. The power grid collapses. We do not have a sustainable power grid able to take on that much of a load. Not to mention, we're not even producing enough energy for that. What was it? Two years ago, California, Southern California had rolling brownouts because they could not support the energy needs of all the air conditioners that were running. And now you want to throw on dadgum electric vehicles on top of that? you got to be out of your dadgum mind. Come on. I mean, it, it's not... I mean, it's kind of close to rocket science, but it's not rocket science. We're not sending people to Mars. By the way, the Artemis mission this week was canceled because uh, some technical issues with the engine. Talk about that in a little bit because I like the, I like space. I like our space programs. But come on, get a grip, you guys. I am sick and tired, and it's not just it's not just Democrats. Okay, it's not. It's really not. It's also people in the center, and it's also a lot of people on the right. But people do not make dis- make informed decisions. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later when it comes to education. But people don't t- make informed decisions. What do you think is going to happen? We're going to collapse the power grid. It is not the our power infrastructure alone for moving energy around is not built to handle that much load. Forget the fact, forget the fact that we're not producing enough. Wind and solar do not produce enough energy to meet those demands as it stands right now. Now, there is something that does. It's called nuclear, and I like nuclear. But Rick, what about, what about Chernobyl and, and the Fukushima Daiichi at Three Mile Out? Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Our, our nuclear systems are better protected, better prepared, and safer than they have ever been. The Fukushima Daiichi plant was a fluke because we had a tsunami that hit the, hit the island in Japan and flooded the basement where the backup generators were. That is literally the reason why Fukushima happened the way it did. I've been near, near, not at, near nuclear power plants. And this third arm growing out of my forehead is just fine. I just, I don't have a third arm. But we are not ready. We're going to collapse the electrical grid, especially like we have this coming up Labor Day weekend. Don't charge electrical vehicles. Don't run your air conditioners. If you run out of power, if your power turns off, don't open your fridge and your freezer because you want your food to stay cold. <sighs> People really don't think about it. Here's another thing I don't like about electric vehicles. They don't last very long, and I know I talked about this. I like to travel from Washington to where I grew up in southern Arizona. Okay. If I'm pushing myself and I only stop for one night, I can make it literally literally in two days. And I had this conversation with my kids a while back because my daughter is interested in the idea, which is great. I love that she's interested in the idea. But think about it, okay? When I make that drive, each day I'm on the road 13 to 14 hours, depending on how hard I'm pushing myself, okay? 
I stop uh, each day. I stop. I fill up my vehicle three times. And I've got my stops predestined. Destined. I know where I know where I'm going to stop. Okay. On average, it takes me to if especially if I'm by myself, it takes me 15 minutes. Gas up, relieve myself, snack up. At each of these stops. Okay, so that's 45 minutes. That's included in my 13 to 14 hour drive. I can make it home in two days with that routine. Okay. Now throw in an electric vehicle. The average charge time for an electric vehicle from start to finish is eight hours. Now, if you're going to assume I get the same gas mileage and I hit the same stopping points, okay, that two-day trip has all of a sudden become five or six days. Now, that's just one way. And that's assuming I get the same mileage on each charge that I currently get on a full tank of gas. So this trip I could easily take, we'll say in two weeks, there, nice week and a half or so, vacation time, two days back, all of a sudden, if I'm lucky, I'm getting two, maybe three days of vacation time at home. And the batteries, the batteries, we do not, we don't have enough material and we cannot get enough material fast enough for these batteries. I'm all for electric vehicles, but this is an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous move. It's not smart. It's not cool. And it's going to make lives miserable for a whole lot of people. It really is. Let's move on to something fun. Two years ago, the Babylon Bee had a headline. Now, if you don't know, the Babylon Bee is a satire site. It's kind of like the Duffel Blog or the Onion. Hardworking plumber, the headline reads, looking forward to paying for his neighbor's gender studies degree. Now, this was kind of funny at the time. But boy, I think the Babylon Bee really nailed the nailed hit this nail on the head this time because last week El Presidente Joe Biden now here's why I think here's part of why honestly I think he did this before I go into that for the longest time his uh, his approval rating was uh, less than stellar um and I'm not even going to say less than stellar. It sucked. Uh, nobody, uh, nobody, uh, I mean, re- very few people actually approved of how Joe Biden is and Kamala Harris and our Congress are doing in Washington right now. We have record inflation. We have, they say, record unemployment, but here's what's really happening. People have left the workforce and aren't coming back. So we don't have record unemployment. We have, well, we do have record unemployment. We just don't have record unemployment. We have, we just, the number, the unemployment numbers aren't, aren't accurate. Here's why. Okay. 
people have left the workforce and aren't coming back. That's part of it. Yes. Okay. People are also no longer eligible for unemployment benefits because they haven't worked in over two years. Think about it. Unemployment benefits, and they extended them for a really long time, are meant to help as a stopgap, as a bridge to get you from one job to another. They are not meant for you to live on. And especially when you had all these trillions of dollars of COVID money coming out, giving them the enhanced unemployment. So you got to think about that. You got people that are trying to find work, but aren't eligible for unemployment anymore. And they're touting the, the administration is touting these amazing, and I'm using air quotes here, amazing job numbers, job record, job creation. Well, you got to think you're, you're an idiot if you actually truly believe that, because here's what's happening. Yes, Donald Trump had the highest unemployment ever, but here's what happened. The country shut down. The country shut down. People lost their work because the government said stay home for two weeks to flatten the curve. Oh, now we need a vaccine. Oh, now we're not going to open up until everybody's vaccinated. Now we're not going to open up until everything is eradicated. They shut the the government shut down the country. The state government shut down the country. That's why the government. That's why the unemployment rate shot so high. And that's why. Over the course of the last, we'll call it year and change, year and change. The number has dropped. It's dropped like a cannonball in the ocean because these aren't new jobs. These are jobs that are coming back. I forgot where I was going with that thought. Anyhow, back to what I wanted to talk about. Okay. The Biden administration's ratings were in the tank. Okay, you got inflation, you got the unemployment, you got all this jazz. So what did they do? What did they do? They didn't see that the overturning of Roe versus Wade by the Supreme Court was going to do anything to help their their campaign because and they they are campaigning on it. But people don't care about Roe versus Wade. They care about the ability to put food on their table. They care about their ability to travel, to go to work. And gas prices have been driving because people have dropping because people haven't been driving as much. I know I wanted to do a whole wanted to do a whole lot more driving this summer than I did. I wanted to go out and do more exploring, but I didn't because the price of gas was almost five daggum dollars a gallon. And it's still four thirty nine last time I checked yesterday. That's expensive. Whereas before Joe Biden took office, I was paying three and a half bucks, maybe a gallon. I could have done a lot more traveling on three and a half bucks a gallon than I did on four, four thirty five dollars a gallon. So anyhow, the Biden administration decided, OK, we are going to create. Now, I don't from what I hear, I am not a legal scholar. I am not an attorney. But from what I have seen and read, the justification he had for that was slim at best. Because here's what <laughs> here's what Nancy Pelosi had to say. People think that the president of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. That has to be an act of Congress. Man, you know, I never 
never thought I would hear that from from Nancy. Here's why. Article 1 of the Constitution gives Congress the power of the purse, specifically the House of Representatives. All spending bills have to originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate can, what do they say, they propose, what, what's the Constitution say? Let me see what it says here. Had to dig out my magic book here. But the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. So, now, there's supposedly some authorization that Congress gave to the Department of Education that does this. However, I don't see it, and the legal experts I have read and heard from do not see it. I'm not saying there's not a problem with our education system. When you have these massive endowments, and here's here's honestly my thought on this. Get the freaking federal government out of education. Okay, here's why. Here's why. Okay, you give, you got a 17, 18, 19-year-old kid, right? Fresh out of high school, can barely wipe their own nose without mom and dad's help. And you're all of a sudden saying, oh, here, you can have $20,000 to go to school. But we're not going to validate what you're studying. We're not going to make sure you're doing every you're taking a program that's actually going to be worth anything. Right? Interpretive dance. There's not a whole lot of need for interpretive dance. Okay. But we but we're going to give you this and by the way, it's going to you're going to have be charged a massive interest on it and never be able to pay it. And these government-backed loans, they these schools know they're going to get the money. So what does that mean? They don't have to compete with everybody else to try and provide the best possible service for the lowest possible price like a regular business does. No. They can just jack up their tuition prices as much as they want because they know at the end of the day they're going to get their money. They don't have a dog in the fight. They don't have any skin in the game. Whatever you however you want to describe that, that's exactly what's happening. Okay? I was talking with I was talking with a gentleman recently and an older gentleman. He's retired, very smart man. And we were talking about my education and he asked me what I'm studying. And I said uh, I'm studying business with a focus in marketing. And then he said, "Okay, so what's your plan after graduation?" Well, I explained to him, I want to work in in broadcasting. I want to do literally what I'm doing right now. Sit here, run my mouth in front of a microphone, and hopefully at some point maybe get paid for it. But I, I said this. I said something, and he, he looked at me, and he smiled. I said, look, I said, I want to do that, but I'm pursuing the business degree because I want something that will transfer with me anywhere I will go. A business degree has a lot more, call it transferability, if you will, has a lot more transferability than an interpretive dance degree, than an art degree, than some communications degrees. Because in theory, when I get that piece of paper that says I graduated, it means I are smart. Or as a doctor I know says, I can complete something. And I know, I know a little bit here and there. But that's the problem. We have students who are taking degree, 
take, taking programs and studying and pursuing degrees that will not get them anywhere. And I think I've talked about this before. The VA has a program where that for veterans that among the qualification requirements is that you have to prove that the degree you are pursuing is actually in demand. Imagine what it would be like is if I went over to my local Chase Bank and said, I want a student loan. Do you think they just say, oh, sure, here you go. Here's $20,000 for a bachelor's degree. Go out and do great things. No, I guarantee you they wouldn't. They would run an analysis. They would say, okay, what degree do you want to get? Interpretive dance. I'd say that just because it's fun to say. And I want an interpretive dance degree. And they would run an analysis. What is the likelihood that an interpretive dance degree is going to lead to a career that would enable you to pay back the loan? Now, this debt forgiveness program, as it's misnomered, is not a forgiveness program. It is a, we'll call it a debt transfer program. It transfers debt from the individuals who have taken it out back to the taxpayers. Now, again, I, I will never, ever, 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 ever dispute the value of a college education. I was talking with, I was talking with a program director of a radio network that I listened to. And we were talking about the end of my education, which is fast approaching, this chapter anyway. And he said, and I was, he, he, made, he made a point. He said, after you're done with school, you're still going to be learning. It's just not going to be from a textbook. And to which I, I replied, I know. I tell my kids all the time, and I'm going to tell you. The day we stop learning, the day I stop learning, the day you stop learning, is the day you die. Every, any day I learn something new is a good day. And I try to. I, I don't always learn something new every day. But I, uh, I, try to, I strive to learn. I will never say learning is a bad thing. But there's got to be a better way to do this and to manage this than to transfer $300 billion. Oh, which, by the way, the $300 billion that this, uh, this what was it, this Inflation Reduction Act was supposed to save, well, there's that, there's that savings gone already, um, which the jury's still out on whether or not it's going to be. You want to know what I think we need to do, how we, how we fight student debt? Aside from getting government out of the daggum game, get rid of the interest. If it's a government-backed loan, get rid of the interest. They're not going to. Here's why. The lenders, that's how they make their money is on the interest. That's where they make their money. Beginning on July 1st, 2022, federal loans have the following interest rates and fees. 
4.99% interest rate with a 1.057% fee for direct subsidized and unsubsidized loans for undergraduates. 6.54% interest rate and a 1.057% fee for direct unsubsidized loans for graduate or professional students. A 7.54% interest rate with a 4.228% fee for direct parent and grad plus loans. Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what any of that is. Fortunately, I am in a position because of choices I made in the past that when I graduate, I'm going to walk out without any college debt. Okay. But here's the thing. You don't need credit. You don't need good credit to apply for these loans. You can have bad credit to apply for these loans. And they're almost always going to be approved because the government guarantees them for any program, for anything. Think about that. I have a friend who is going to who benefit who's benefiting from this from this decision. And I'm going to I'm going to give my analysis here in just a moment politically because we are in the midterm season and this I love I love election seasons I hate them but I love them but I, I have a couple friends that are going to benefit from this and you know what I I'm happy for them I'm happy that they are going to have hopefully because I don't know their amounts hopefully one or two less things they have to worry about but and I was going to go a different route on this but I think I think I will just close it out with this there's got to be a better way to manage student loan debt than just giving it away and putting the burden back on taxpayers some of whom have never went to college some of whom have found other ways to pay for their education like military service and others like some that I know who have paid paid for their classes with cash. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And I talked about this before, about the price of education, the price of a college education, the cost. There's got to be a better way to manage that. And you start by taking the government out of the game. I believe in a much smaller government I really do. I don't like a very large government. I believe in smaller government, more liberty. More individual liberty, we'll call it that. Okay. But there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. It's not, and I'll tell you what, until the government gets out of the game, Nothing is going to change because here's what's going to happen. We got this student loan. We'll call it, We'll continue to call it forgiveness because I can't think of what anything else to call it. So we'll call it forgiveness. Okay. But what's going to happen is we're going to go. We're going to keep chugging along. New students because brand. We got a brand new class of college freshmen starting classes right now all over the country. And all of these guys are taking, and a lot of these guys are take guys and gals are taking out student loans. And I guarantee you, because I see it, a lot of them are taking are 
studying programs that are not going to lead to gainful employment. So I guarantee you, in 10 or 20 years, we're going to be right back here. Right back where we are. But my political analysis, and here's what I think, okay? I think as we go into these midterms and this, and this, uh, this battle starts to really heat up, we are going to see Democrat approval ratings go up a little bit. And I think in the polls, Democrats are going to actually improve. Republicans are not going to fight this. They're not going to fight against it. And I don't see them. I don't see any lawsuits happening against this. And here's why. It's not politically correct. For the upcoming congressmen and senators, governors, they don't want to alienate part of the base, part of the electorate that they need to get hired onto this new job. Uh, I don't think, I think people are still going to be voting with their wallets by and large. I don't think the $300 billion on the grand scheme of things is going to have that much of, of an impact given that Washington, D.C. is the number one area with the most people who hold the most student debt. Um, that said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen in. I love doing this. This is, this is so much fun. I love, and as I sit here, I'm watching my, my, dot, my digital audio workstation here, and I watch the sound waves as I talk in the microphone, and it's kind of cool. Because as I get louder, the sound waves pop more. And as I just get into a rhythm, you can actually see the rhythm. And this is just so much fun. I, I just enjoy doing this. I do appreciate you listening. I don't know what I'm going to have to say next time. But I'm sure whatever it is, it's going to be a lot of fun. But in the meantime, stay, stay safe out there. It's getting crazy. We do live in crazy times, but it's, day, it's fun. Go out there. Do great things. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you.